I feel like over time, as I live on with albums, especially popular albums, I tend to go to the songs that are kind of played the least by the masses. And it's for no particular reason. I guess maybe it's me doing a bit of like safekeeping to a certain extent. But I just, I like to go to those underrated songs on those popular albums because that's usually where the quality is for the most part, in my opinion. And usually when I look at this sort of list and how I compiled my list for today, um, I brought in some different genres, of course. I went for the songs that had the least streams on the album, songs that I felt like had a special placeholder for that set track list, and that was undervalued by the masses. So let me ask you, how did you form your list for today? Yeah, when it came to my list for today, I sort of looked at songs where if I'm not playing them, it's almost as if they don't exist in the sense of me choosing songs that we haven't spoken about. That was one major thing. I'm like, let me choose some stuff that we haven't even discussed, even though we've spoken about these albums in particular. That was a big thing for me. Another thing, too, is that like a lot of these songs that I've picked, I feel like the artists probably don't even perform them live. They don't get radio play. That's fact. Like you mentioned, they don't have that many streams. And again, it's more of the the whole under that umbrella of like, not enough conversation about these songs. Absolutely. In the community, amongst ourselves, whatever it is, I feel like that's something that's super important. And I do disagree with you about what you said about how, like, the underrated songs usually tend to be the best ones because I feel like with popular albums, oftentimes the smash hits will be quality. Maybe they'll be quality, but maybe you won't revisit them as much because they've been overplayed or you're sort of gotten exhausted of hearing them, but... I mean, just the point right I'm now, trying to make. The point I'm trying to yeah. make, though, is that when you look at these popular albums, let's say you take an Astroworld, for example, right? I didn't bring Astroworld into this conversation, um, and you want to talk about something like Sicko Mode. It's the most streamed song on the album. Um, it's top tier quality, but it's nowhere near the best song on the track list. In my yeah. opinion, I, I I could agree with that, but I could also agree with someone saying that it is the best on the album. I think Fantana was telling us that he thought Sicko Mode was the best on Astroworld. In my opinion, I don't I, think it's anywhere. I, I, I could near, understand you know? that just because of the multiple phases, like. We've spoken a million times about Sycamore, but just to say, I feel like there is merit to that opinion. But do you think yeah. that, do you think that your opinion gets jaded by how popular a song gets, though? Um, yes and no. I think for my replay value, it does. I do think, though, when it comes down to the quality of the record, that they could do X amount of numbers or it could do X amount of numbers. The quality is the quality, right? And as you said, taking Sycamore, for example, I guess that's the kid we're going to be picking on today. You kind of look at the track and you're like, well, you're right. That is a quality track. You're getting all kinds of beat switches, multiple verses, the back and forth. But for the most part, what I tried to do with this um, selection as well is also take take you through maybe some different eras in music um, that I enjoy. I wanted to include some diversity as well. I, st- I um, stuck to, to mostly hip-hop, by the way. Yeah, yeah. No, I only I yeah. think I only have one song that's not oh, hip-hop. Cool. So I wanted to bring in something a little bit refreshing. Nice. But for the most part, these are eras also that we don't speak about often too. So I'm very excited to get into this. It list. is going to be very interesting. And if you guys are joining us for the first time on this audio experience, make sure to hit that follow button. Also, if you feel generous today, you guys can leave us a nice review um, and also a five-star rating. It does help us reach other music fans. So yeah, guys, thank you so much for the support. It's been amazing. But let's get into this episode. We have some different songs to bring in. Underrated songs from popular albums. What's your first one? How many did you bring in, by the way? I think I have like six or seven, something like that. What oh, about cool. You? Okay, I brought in like nine or ten. Nice. All right, so if I don't get through all of my tracks, maybe I'll save some for another episode. But first one of the day. It's going to be the most popular song on this list. Surprisingly enough, it's going to be Losses by Drake from Dark Lane Demo Tapes. What a W. Listen to this. 34 million streams. The least streamed song on Dark Lane Demo Tapes 
and honestly might be the best song on the album when it comes to writing and storytelling because Drake is going through the track um, kind of talking about a relationship that um, he has with a certain someone. Um, I'm not sure if it was referenced as a romantic relationship or a friendship it's kind of like blurred in that sense but basically he's talking about the escalation of his fame and how it affects the personal relationships around him and i guess that that's personified in this song what's super cool is that it's produced by oc7 thomas foreign track and Ilias. um fantastic production it almost feels like the like the baby version of something like a do not disturb to a certain extent and that's why i really like it i feel like it's one of those drake tracks with an incredible amount of value that people don't talk about when they talk about those drake lyrical miracle songs like a do not disturb for example or like a views off of views for example those tracks have had conversation in our podcast but we've never gone into this track so i thought it was a good selection for it today. is and let me ask you like like you mentioned it does feel like one of those deeper drake cuts like a do not disturb um like a star 67 etc but what do you think it is about this song that made it slide under the radar the way that it has you think that like Dark Lane demo tapes as a whole was sort of slept on and well I think I think Dark Lane demo tapes doesn't get enough conversation within the community I've only seen a couple of Twitter posts about it and people saying oh how underrated this album is this and that I truly do believe it is very underrated and there's this nice nocturnal vibe to the entire track list and this is one of those songs that's perfect for a late night drive as well but what I think is so nice about this song and why people maybe overlook it is that you have those do not disturbs you have those star 67s that were maybe bigger moments quote unquote in his catalog so what's kind of the reason for going back to a losses not only that but more of the lyrical content that did well on the album as far as streaming goes was something like a chicago freestyle or like a deep pockets and then you had the hit of the album which was kind of pain 1997 and 2c slide so you had tracks that were getting a lot of media attention and then once you get the stuff like from florida with love and even losses that's where the conversation kind of disappears yeah, those songs kind of just escaped everybody but um, yeah, I love this song. It kind of reminds me of maybe like a take care cut in the sense of like the haziness and the moodiness of the atmosphere mm -hmm. on it. And um, a lot of killer lines like it was always you and I without the T-Y, like unity, like he's spelling out unity, but he's leaving out the T-Y, which also means thank you. Well, like this is also super cool. Um, if you go into the writing of the song and you look at the end of each verse, basically he's trying to convince you that this is actually a true story and a true event that happened in his life. And he ends off every verse with a line saying, I'm not trying to make no song. These are cold facts. And then after that, he goes into the hook. So I also like the writing structure. I think it's really nice for the song itself. Wanted to bring it in for today, and I'm sure there's people that definitely know this song, but just a nice little, I would say, hors d'oeuvre to kick off the episode. Absolutely, yeah. I, I love that song. I think it's definitely one of my favorites from uh, from the 2020s from Drake. But the first song that I chose to bring in is actually going to be Open Mic slash Aquarius 3 by Logic off the No Pressure album. You know album. what? I was actually visiting this album for some key finds. Yeah, bro. I, I keep going back to this album. I think like over the last couple of years, since it came out, it's been my most played Logic album. And... It's cool because it sort of marks the time where like Logic lied to his entire fan base about retiring. And it seems like the actual, let's say he was serious about the retirement. It seems like the possibility of him retiring and closing that chapter on his life sort of gave him the much needed fuel that he needed to start making good music again. That's sort of like the, the way I've always felt about it. Um, and when it comes to this cut itself... Um, I feel like it's super different compared to everything else that really landed and really became hits off of the album. Like if you listen to something like Open Mic Aquarius 3 comparison to something like Dadbot or Perfect, it's just 
It's night and day in quality, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, Logic's fan base is very interesting just because a lot of like the worst songs in the album end up, end up actually becoming the hits off of the album. But um, I love this song just because of all the cinematic details that he's pouring inside of it. It starts off with like someone introducing him um, on like a stage at a bar. It's like this open mic event and he gets introduced as Mr. Hull. And it's sort of like Logic rapping from his present day perspective but with the hunger and sounding like he's broke and sounding like he's trying to prove himself once again. And there's a nice rawness to his cadence on it. Um, apart from that, I love how we get um, to the cream of the song on the second half where you get a beat transition into Aquarius 3 where you have this very hypnotizing vocal sample and you have Logic sort of giving fans closure um, on him having this perspective shift where it's like my whole life I was dedicating myself to the music and trying to be the best rapper that I could be. And now my purpose has gone into a different direction where my, my purpose is now to be the best father that I and could be. And you always love to see that sort of introspective logic where he's getting super deep in detail and he's allowing you to enter his mind and the way that he's feeling about certain subjects. That was something that I liked about the No Pressure record where he allowed you to enter into a space where you had never been before for a Logic album. And this is one of these songs that holds a lot of value when it does come to writing of the album. Even something like GP4 was something I was considering, but it is considered one of the best songs on the yeah, album. Yeah, same thing for Soul Food too. But yeah, I think what makes this one really stand out is that like a lot of people... When it comes to Logic and him making songs about being a dad and being a family man, he often gets like, you know, sort of roasted for it because it comes off as corny or cringe. But this is like the most heartfelt and sincere version of that kind of a Logic track. Yeah, in my it feels opinion. like Logic sitting on the porch, looking at mm -hmm. all the fruits of his labors, looking over the land, what a nice cowboy hat on. That's what this song feels like. So and he even made a, a music video just for this half of the song, which is fucking cool. And like he's in like this racer. Um, like this Formula One racer sort of outfit, and he's just like walking down the street. Um, great visuals for it. Amazing song, even though it is very self-indulgent in the sense that like he's sampling a lot of like stuff from Under Pressure, and he's like naming the song after the the spaceship that Thomas and Kai rode in. In uh, that's I, pretty cool. My incredible though. true yeah, story. Yeah, because the song it's is cool. dipped in nostalgia. Yeah, right? it is. So I feel like that's what really holds value for the song. But let me go on to my second selection for today. This is going to be Gatman and Robin by 50 Cent featuring Eminem um, from the Massacre album released nice. back in okay. 2005. Um, only has 15 million streams. And what's interesting about this... I want to see if it's gold, though, because this came out a long fucking time ago. So maybe... It is popular, but it just didn't get the streams. I'm curious to see this. It's completely died down in the community. I've never seen a single that, that person. That has. I, yeah. I've never seen a single person speak about this song, at least on the platform. But I, I'm just curious if it has like any plaque, just because it, for it, sure it is does. Eminem and 50, right? Like it, it needs Back to then almost. in 2005, to a certain extent, it's it's kind of impossible that it isn't. But regardless, though, what's also really cool about this song is that it's low-key a whole diss track towards Benzino and everyone else that wants to come at them. And I feel like when you talk about the diss tracks in Eminem's catalog, um, and the sort of verses that he laid down that had that vicious and malintent towards his enemies. This is something that gets often mislooked. Not only that, but it is an Eminem produced track with the Bass Brothers. You get this crazy interpolation of the OG Batman, da -da 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 like old production with these crazy hip hop drums on top of it. And I mean, lyrically, you're not going to find them at their craziest. I'm not saying that this is a patiently waiting, but. I mean, The Massacre, isn't it close to a diamond album, if not diamond at this point? Um, yeah, I think, let's see. Well, it sold a million first week. One of the biggest debuts in hip-hop history. Absolutely. Let's see, though. And it's one of the most overlooked songs on the entire album. Six times platinum. 
six times platinum, one number one. This song, though, Gammon and Robin, no plaques. Wow. No plaques. There we go. A plaqueless okay, so, Eminem and 50 So there we song. go. I, I, found a, I found a plaqueless Eminem. It There's is actually another gem. one. Um, I'm going to find it real quick. Another, like, low-key... Um, 50 and Eminem song. Shout out to Chris, by the way, who showed me this song. A I think couple it's of called years ago. Psycho. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, it is Psycho off of Before I Self Destruct. Came out in 2009. Another underrated Eminem and 50 song. And this one apparently was supposed to be for recovery, but 50 fucked with it so much that he convinced Eminem. I'm going to have to go um, listen to that after the recording. To give it uh, to him. But yeah, it's super cool because you get also Eminem with this really cool cadence throughout the track. I feel like Eminem wipes 50 on this. I'm not even going to yeah, lie to you. Yeah, of course. Like on a that, that, that's kind of what it is with every time they link up, though. He's just a better rapper. Well, patiently waiting gets a really dark and scary 50 cent. And that's obviously the collaboration that gets a lot more conversation. But for the most part, um, this is a song that doesn't even have a plaque on an album that's six times platinum and that sold a million copies first week. So go figure there. Eminem and 50 cent collaboration that gets overlooked as a diss track. It gets overlooked. And overall, just as a song in 50s catalog, it's up there. It really is. It's one of my favorites from like an album cut. So I wanted to bring it in today. I, I, I still almost feel like nearly every song in Get Richer that I try and, um, is superior to it. But for the massacre and just for 50s catalog, it is a special one, though. I agree. Uh, but the next song that I decided to bring in is actually going to be Super Predator by Joey Badass. Off of All American Bro, Badass. I have this song. You have it? I what? have this fucking song. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, what a yeah, w. featuring Styles P. Absolutely. Fuck yeah. 14 million streams, bro. Bro, I was freaking out when I saw it. Did that. you read into the title and the meaning, actually, of the song? Itself? Uh, 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 the, the title of Super Predator? Yeah, and like how it ties into the writing of the, of the song. <sighs> I saw something that was like being referenced towards something like controversial that Hillary Clinton was saying. Okay, so I'm going to read you the explanation. Yeah. I have it in front of me it's right pretty now. pretty fucked so, up. So listen to this. Joy titles the track after the infamous term Super Predator coined by John Dulio. The song challenges a term which has been used to demonize young black youth as having no respect for human life or future. The term recently brought controversy during the 2016 presidential election where people have been critical of Hillary Clinton for using it to describe gangs of youth in 1996. So they had reused it when they were obviously trying to go against Hillary Clinton in the entire like presidential campaign and then ends off with many believe she was referring to African Americans and you get the crazy product like a static selective production. yeah I think that's what I had read that she had said somewhere that like um when she was referring to like African Americans in the inner cities that um they they, they lacked empathy and that they were very crime driven like just some super like weird racist, shit. Yeah, weird yeah, stuff yeah, bro it was really so weird. um but yeah that's sort of like what Joey aspired to do with the entire album was sort of um, you know, breathe a new philosophy into the air amidst all the political chaos that was going down um, around that period of the mid-2010s in the States. And he does that super well with Super Predator. And I think the reason why I love it so much is that it does remind me of that 17-year-old Joey that came into the game in the sense that it sounds like he's challenging himself on this song. Oh, he really And it sounds is. like he's you know, challenging his penmanship with the song as well. Um, I love how, you know, he has Static Select on the boards, giving you this very chill, jazzy beat. You have the saxophone ringing off in the background. It reminds me of an old Public Enemy record, actually, mm. when it comes to content matter and when it comes to those streams of consciousness. You'll you'll go into the song further if you guys want to on Genius and understand the writing a bit further um, rather than listening to Lou and I's explanation for it. But also, Styles P on this track is crazy. Yeah, like, what it. an incredible verse to get into the latter half of the song. I love the way he starts off his 
verse 2. Um, but as far as the track goes, I mean, 14 million streams, the least streamed on All-American Badass. Not only that, but when you have to look at his catalog, like you said, it plays closest to home to where Joey kind of does his best. And that's what I really like about it. Absolutely. I also love the fact that like it's classic Joey in the sense that you're getting all of those like homages to classic hip hop, like on the, the section, like right before the hook. He has the kick in the door refrain, which pays homage oh, to Biggie. Really cool. He also has a line where he's like, the pen is way mightier than the sword, um, referencing Capital Steez's verse on survival tactics. He also mentions Steez. He says, word to Steezy, I'm going to keep this shit lyrical till I fall out of my physical. All my verses is biblical, uh, flowing religiously, my delivery spiritual. Like, Top-tier lyrics. Even in the last verse, you're getting that multi-syllabic rhyming from Joey that is blowing, blowing you away, and you're like... While he just outwrapped a member of the locks. Like, what the fuck is going on in this song? This is this is pretty historic. It's top-tier stuff. And, uh, well, um, I, I think even from the track itself, it's just, as we were kind of talking about with what track? Uh, with uh, Open Mic, right? Yeah. How it's kind of dipped in that nostalgia. There's so much history that lies within the writing of the song itself. and Political the, history, music history. history. <laughs> like, it, it knocks off every box for a Joey Badass song. And it might be one of the most underrated in his entire catalog. Absolutely. Without that, I also love the hook of this song where you have Joey sort of doing that, like, Jamaican patois thing. Like, yeah. like this is awesome, bro. And this it mixes is... so well with the jazz and influence yeah. that you get from Static Selecta. So shout out to Super Predator, one of the best off of all American Let badass. me ask you this before we move on. Do you think that it would have been the best song off of 2000? Uh, maybe. It would have been top three, maybe top one. I don't know. Make Me Feel is like, is up It's incredible there. too. Yeah, that's up there. But okay, let me go on to the next one. Let's go to 2019 with Cordae's, The Lost Boy, and let's go on mm. to Thanksgiving. This is a song that does not get conversation in the community. Um, only 14 million streams again, one of the least streamed songs on the entire album. And it's just, it's crazy the way that Cordae, excuse me, set up the scene for this track. Because Who, Cordell? Cordell. <laughs> that's a funny story. If you know, you know, if you're listening to this podcast. Um, but listen. When you get into the track, it's interesting because um, Corday brings his girl over to Thanksgiving, which is one of the most important days of the year um, for Corday's family. And he feels like she does not satisfy the needs or the effort that he's putting in. And I kind of like the messaging of that because it shows Corday going to the extent of even inviting this girl over to a family event that's very sacred, very close to his heart, very meaningful. But at the end of the day, you could do everything for someone and... If it's just not reciprocated, then what does it all mean in the end? And I really like that message from the writing, so I think it's one of the standouts of it. Not only that, but you get this really nice somber production from Coop the Truth and Kid Culture um, that really make this nice tempo for the track where it's very easygoing, it's very breezy, it's nice for just a beautiful sunny day as well with this important messaging. And when I look at The Lost Boy... It's not being talked about like RMP. It's not even being talked about like Lost and Found. So Lost. That, that's what I was about to mention. Is that like since we're on the topic of um, of the Lost Boy, Lost and Found, only twenty five million streams. And I'll be honest with you. Besides like our conversations, obviously we we both love the song, but I don't see the community talking. Okay, about so this that's tr this is translating into your next selection. You brought in Lost and Found. Um. I I didn't bring it in, <laughs> but I just want to talk about it since we're on the <laughs> album. Okay, that cool. like this is just one of. It, it is, sorry, it is the best lyrical showcase that Corday has ever given us, and yet it doesn't get any conversation. I feel like when it comes to The Lost Boy as a whole, in 2023, besides R&P, what are people talking about off this album? I have no idea why. 
people are, are still sleeping despite this album being Grammy nominated, despite um, it being one of the best debut albums of the last couple of years. Maybe it's just aged poorly for people and how their rotation so? kind of developed. Probably. I, I mean, after um, the disappointment um, with his last album, I feel like as mo- like amongst the masses and amongst certain fans, uh, people kind of tuned out of like what they were listening to mm. for Corday. But nonetheless, though, Still a fantastic selection. Lou, go on to your next one. My next song for today is going to be Dawn Life by Big Sean featuring Lil Wayne from Detroit 2. And we were actually talking uh, with a fan not too long ago at a festival. um, And he was talking about how much he enjoyed Big Sean. And it made me want to revisit some of Big Sean's stuff. And um, when when it comes to like Dawn Life, I wouldn't necessarily say it's like the most underrated song on Detroit 2. But I feel like the album as a whole is a bit underrated. So... I don't know what it is. I feel like it didn't stick with people as much as it should have because it was one of Sean's better albums um, in recent time, especially when you're looking at the Metro Boomin collab and the recent EP that he put out. This is really the the, the last great thing that he left us with. Um, and this is a song where it's like, this should have became a hit, bro. You have this really triumphant trap beat from Hit Boy. You have a Lil Wayne feature. You have a cool music video that has like the same black and white aesthetic that dark sky paradise had yeah and i'm like fuck bro like if this song had come out maybe in 2015 or something it would have for sure been an absolute banger um but at the end of the day you get really really quick flows from big sean he's rapping his ass off on this thing and he's just rapping about how important it is to have a really intense work ethic and it's a motivational song. It's a song that I've worked out to. I feel like it is a song that a lot of people probably have in their gym playlist for a good fucking reason. It hypes you up. You have Lil Wayne, um, who's just... I don't know how he thinks of these clever concepts for his verses, but this one's about him talking to the constellations in the sky um, and him just having this spiritual connection with you know, these elements that can't talk back to you, mm-hmm. that don't really have humanistic emotions but he's humanizing them um and he just has an array of clever flows he kills and meek mill also has a really cool section um within the hook he has a little part where he sort of um wraps this line getting to this paper like it's human nature adds an extra layer of excitement to the track for me and yeah i just think that when it comes to like the 2020s this is a big fucking banger that no one talks about no one listens to what's your relationship with the song Oh, listen, man. I mean, I haven't gone through it all that much. I'm mm. not even going to lie to you just because Detroit 2 released back in 2020. So I've kind of been out of the loop with the project, even after the like the last recent effort with Hit Boy. Didn't leave uh, the best taste in my mouth. But recently, after the Palisades California feature, I was really intrigued to go back into his catalog. And I might have to do it with Detroit 2 and work my way back, to be honest. There was another feature that he dropped this year. Why can't I think of it right now that he absolutely killed? Um, was it off of uh, the pink tape? No. No. Let me let me, was, let me go through his, uh, his latest It was a popular features. album, though. I feel like it was a popular album. And a lot of people were talking about it, but... There you go, Kate Tremine. Yes, he had a yes, great feature sir. on Master P. Yes, he did. That was. So uh, he's been on a run, bro. I, I really can't wait to see what he has, uh, what he has in store next, because he's one of those guys that still feels like he has something to prove. You know. Absolutely. So. Okay, so listen, I spoke about Super Predator. That was going to be my next song after Thanksgiving. So I'll go on to the next one, and this is going to be Torch by Schoolboy Q, featuring Anderson Park off of Blind Face LP. Sitting at 10 million streams, bro. 
criminal. <laughs> one one million streams off of being into the seven digits. How crazy is that? Lock up all the Schoolboy Q fans that skipped this one, bro. I'm sorry. Listen Come to on, this. guys. So uh, production from Nezin Rio, who also has a bunch of different placements for Schoolboy Q and ASAP Rocky, like Lord Pretty Flacco, Lord Pretty Flacco Jody Two. Now, that's always, always a mouthful. That song it title, eh? It really is. Lord um, Pretty Flacco Jody Two. There we go. Uh, Man of the Year as well, a bunch of different productions, and you're getting this super menacing and slow-burning production um, that kind of progresses as the content matter progresses throughout the track. And Schoolboy Q and Anderson Park have multiple sections within the song itself. Um, you get Anderson that closes off the track, but I will say this, to this day, this is probably one of the best Anderson Park features I have ever heard in my entire life. It is super dynamic. It is raw and painful. Um, the way that he uses those raspy vocals and hits those high notes is at an all-time best for his catalog and his efforts. And when you have to look at an intro song for any album out of the, out of the 2010s for hip-hop music... This is really up there for me. Like, this is in the top percentile. This was the best way you could actually start off an album. And that's exactly what the genius description says. It starts off blank face. Yeah, what it's, else you want? It's from definitely it. one of the best tone setters, I think, uh, when it comes to rap albums in the 2010s. So, <clears throat> great pick. My next one. Well, I guess I do have one that sort of delves out of the hip-hop genre a little bit. That's On Me by Mac Miller off of Circles. Mm. I decided to bring this one in. Um, that's on me. Bro, that's it's, on it's crazy because when I first heard like the That's On Me chorus, I'm like, which pop or rock band is he interpolating here? Because this chorus feels so familiar. And very close to home. But very close to home, but also very catchy to a point where I'm like, this is already stuck in my head, and I'm on my, my, my second or third listen. It's already, as if I already know the fucking lyrics. Um, and he just, he delivered that chorus with, you know, utter confidence, and he found a rhythm that's just so magical within that chorus as well. Um, and I think that this is definitely a bittersweet song if you are a Mac Miller fan, just because he sort of, you know, is taking accountability for his own poor mental state. And for, I guess, everything that he's corrupted in his own life, and it sounds like a moment of revelation. It sounds like Mac Miller has been waiting to get this weight off of his shoulders and that him making this song was his own personal catharsis where he's like finally unloading this baggage that he had about maybe blaming other people or blaming his circumstances, his environment, the industry that he's in. It felt like this song, he decided to ground himself and really give you something that was beautiful, that was heartfelt, that was emotional. Um... And I think John Bryan also did an excellent job on the production in terms of just understanding the song's tone. He comes in with like these bright electric guitar chords um, that are slowly being plucked as Mac just glides through them. And it's, uh, it's a sensational it's composition. It's a masterful performance by Mac Miller, it actually, is. especially on the verses. I love the segue from the hook into the verses. It's very smooth in transition. And I think that it also has a lot of accessibility, and I don't understand why it's not being talked about more. It does have a lot of accessibility, I think, also because of how like vaguely written um, the verses are to a point where it's like... It's open to interpretation. It's open to interpretation. You could easily apply it to your own life and your own struggles. And you could also um, try to attach it to different situations that Mac Miller was going through in his own life as well. Yeah, it's a very nice song. Very special song. And I think that um, it's not the only, like, so there was another one off of here that I really wanted to include because um, it's it's an album that actually streamed very well for the most part. Like, you won't oh, find yeah, anything yeah, yeah. on here that has less than 45 million streams, and that's the song Hands. Um, 
But what, what did what did the, that saw me have though? Fifty eight million. There we go. Still deserves to have more in my opinion. And also the other song I can see. That's another one of my all time favorite Mac Miller songs. Sixty five million streams. Um, yeah, Circles is amazing. This would be this would be an incredible playlist, guys. Just add all these to your rotation if Absolutely. you don't have these already. Let me go on to my next selection. This is gonna be Call the Corner by Future off of the Wizard. This is a banger that is in multiple rotations in our NFR team. Uh, we have been bumping this song since it came out off of the Wizard. Guess how many streams it has? For a future song off of a popular future album, give me uh, 45. 17 million streams. Wow. That's 17 fucked. million streams. One of the least streamed songs off the entire album. <laughs> and it's low-key probably the biggest banger off of The Wizard. Not only that, produced by Q-Beats and TM88. Um, incredible production all the way through. You get this very dark and menacing beat um, that rings off throughout the entire production. And what's interesting is that <laughs> there's Loki and Entendre within the actual song title itself and the way that Future set up the hook. So... When he says, call the corner within that one line within the hook, that's what he was referencing to with the song title. But what it actually means is that when you call a corner, they're the ones that actually do the autopsy for bodies. And they're the ones that take in the bodies once a murder has happened and they do the evaluation and then they come up with the final verdict of how oh, this person passed away. What's interesting is that if you go back to the song, I believe it is, um, yeah, the warning by Biggie. Biggie actually has a line in there that call says the call, call, call the corner yeah. over there and that's what people think Future used as inspiration for this song okay. so there's a bit of like hip hop historia within the track itself which I really like itself and Man, Future's flows are absolutely masterful here. Um, they're very grandiose. They're very quick and pace. And he's just coming at you with this future aggression that reminds me of like a 56 Nights Future, for mm -hmm. example. So something I wanted to bring in, only 17 million streams easily. One of his biggest bangers of the past five years. I wanted to bring it in today. Yeah, that's a W. Next song that I'm going to bring into this is going to be Law of Attraction by Dave. Off of the album, we're all alone in this together. Um, and listen, when it comes to Dave's record, we're all alone in this together. Super popular, did massive numbers. I'm not particularly like an avid supporter in the way that other people are, praising it as like the album of the year for 2021, etc. I do think it was a step down from psychodrama for me personally, but there are certain cuts like this one that I really enjoy. And I think the reason why I like Law of Attraction so much is just because it's a softer like R&B and hip hop hybrid song. Mm -hmm. And you have Snow Allegra that plays a massive role on this cut. And it's cool just because her, you know, track presence and vocal presence is so unique because you have her coming in with this breezy rhythm that reminds you of this Afrobeats type of movement and then you also have her vocals that are so epic that it reminds you of like a Celine Dion ballad or something of that stature so she absolutely kills it and she really adds um this summery essence I would say to the track and I think that's sort of the best time to play this is in the summer um while you guys could still enjoy the summer because it is sadly coming to a close soon um fucking flew by by the way it did it really, it really flew did. by but these um, are my favorite moments of the summer, though. The end of the summer is always yes. really nice. Yeah, it's like when everything wraps up. It, it's almost like you make more excuses to like go out, to throw parties, to like hang out, just because it's like okay, we have to like enjoy these nice nights while we still have them. You know what I mean? I always like the fall time, though. I'm a big fan of the fall. Oh, so am I. I'm a big fan of the fall. It's a, it's a shame it only lasts like maybe a month and a half, and then you get the snow and the the wet weather that comes through. But regardless, though. 
it's been a while since I've revisited this track and that Dave album as a whole. So yeah. how is it in your rotation? Um, like I said, I'm not huge on the album itself, but certain cuts like this one, Verdansk, other cuts are really heavy in rotation. But um, I just love when you get like pairings of singers and rappers that you never would have imagined uniting and then making magic together. And this is a duo that I never knew I needed. And the more that I listen to Snow Allegra, I'm like, so many rappers are underutilizing her for choruses or to have roles within their albums. Like listening to this reminded me of like, you know, Yeba, um, the, you know, who of course was sampled off a of CLB or the, the vocal sample that was used in Lemon Pepper Freestyle. It just, it can, this song convinced me that Drake and Snow Allegra need to make something together. Um, when it comes to Dave on this song, He's not giving you, you know, lyrically the most profound stuff that he's, you know, that he has but to offer on the album. But he's giving you catchy He's giving you catchy, you know, melodies. He is rapping with a slower pace. Um, and at the end of the day, it's just a really groovy, summery love song that I think a lot of hip-hop fans are going to enjoy just for um, the chemistry between that collaboration. So definitely listen to Law of Attraction, um, you know, to, to sulk into those summer vibes still while you can. All right. Yeah. Time to throw it back to 90s New York hip-hop. Nice. Time to go on to Capital Punishment. I wanted to bring in Boomerang by Big Pun, one of my favorite songs off of the entire album, one of the least streamed songs off the entire album. You only have a couple of different songs that get massive streams on there. Example, like the Twins cover um, with Fat Joe. I think that's over 100 million streams at this point, which is a big W for a 90s. Super lyrical, I guess, probably has yeah. a lot of streams. Um, but the good thing with Boomerang is that not only is this not well-known within the modern generation um, of hip-hop listeners, let's say for people like you and I and people younger than us, but it is one of the more or less known songs off of the album just because of the lyrical dominance of this track. So it's pretty cool because Big Pun brings you onto the scene and, you know, at the beginning of the song, he's talking about his luxurious lifestyle as a gangster, everything that comes with it. Um, then he gets this beautiful girlfriend and then his enemies, this is very interesting, his enemies end up sending him a picture, I believe through his phone, of him like them like kind of fucking his girl and so you know big pun gets absolutely cheesed and goes and kills them but now he's in trouble so he has to leave the city and as soon as he leaves the city he then kind of does like a boomerang and he figures out shit i should have reacted differently in that situation and i wish i could have chose a different life path so i wouldn't be in this type of mess so there's an incredible message throughout it the storytelling is top tier throughout the entire track and when you go through it you're going to realize how good Big Pun is with alliteration. The way that he's able to connect all of these like multi-syllabic rhyme schemes together, but make it sound so cool and how it rolls off the tongue. Master of that type of shit. And when you're into this, Big Pun just raps at these speeds where it's, it's almost ununderstandable. You know, you don't understand how he's able to get off these lyrics and you're just in shock by a lyrical exercise. Yeah. So only 7 million streams didn't go into the eight digits let's say for any sort of hip-hop song one of the best of the 90s in my opinion and a super underrated song at that for his catalog yeah it's crazy there's a lot of like classic like 2000s 90s hip-hop songs on spotify or apple that like for example i was going through like a jada kiss album and there's a lot of classic cuts that have like half a million streams and you're like the fuck's going on here you know what i mean <laughs> yeah I, I guess people bought them in stores at least i hope um but yeah when it comes to big pun Always love a big punch out just because he's one of the few rappers that was able to have this incredible legacy while, while only dropping, you know, one album. You yeah. know, he's in that league with Big L, with Lauren Hill, with only very few other rappers. So 
Much love for the big punch out. The last song I wanted to bring in for today is actually going to be No Mistakes by Kanye West off of the Ye album. And I remember my first listen to this album back in 2018, bumped it in the car. And immediately, the first song that I had gravitated towards was No Mistakes. Was no mistakes. That was my favorite. Mm-hmm. Although I do believe um, there are better songs on the album, better you know, put together songs, songs that are more fleshed out, um, like a Ghost Town or you know, even maybe like a Yikes if you want. Um, I thought about Killing You is really up there for me. That's another one too. And like, I don't agree with the whole argument of like, well, if it's, if it's your favorite, then that's the one that you think is the best. You know what I mean? Like, no, that's not true. My favorite movie of all time could be the fucking SpongeBob movie because I had an attachment to it as a kid, but that doesn't mean that it's better than the Shawshank Redemption. That's you know what I mean? True. So anyways, um, I'm, I'm sort of gearing off topic with that. But just to say, um, I love this song so much is because it has one of my favorite Kanye West choruses of all time, which... I originally had thought was like a vocal sample that they had flipped from like the 1970s off an old soul song, but it's actually Charlie Wilson and Kid Cudi coming together um, to give you this beautiful hook that's filled with so much love and emotion. And I think the bottom line for me and the reason why I gravitated towards towards it so much is that I'm always going to have a soft spot for that old soulful Kanye West, and that's what this song brings me back to. Um... I think apart from that, I love how Kanye is really like earnestly venting about the holes that he's fallen into. But despite all of that, there's still a sense of optimism to the track. Um, I also think that for the time that it happened in, um, the Drake sub that he has at the, at the very end of the song was done very tastefully. It was clever. Um, I, li- I like the way that it all fell together. Um, and I know that it's a very short song, Clocky, and at just two minutes. And I do agree with certain criticisms that people have that like, okay, he could have fleshed this out a bit more. He could have added another verse. But sometimes... You don't need to. I like those skeletal type of Kanye West songs. Um, but I, I do think that's my main flaw with Kanye's music within the last five years. Just the fact that it seems like he's working in the spur of the moment, working very spontaneously and not really focused on like long-lasting execution, like really perfecting what he's crafting. I feel like if he goes back to that, he'll drop another classic album. It's very interesting. That's I like my that. take on that. That's very true. But all right, let me go on to my next song. This is going to be Fuck Up the World by Jay-Z on Magna Carta, a 2011 cut, I believe, right? No, Magna Carta came out in what year? Uh, 2013. 2013. All right, let me just, uh, let me make sure that's right. It came out in 2013. Wow, man. It 10 years like, ago, bro. It feels crazy, man. Going back 10 years ago, I was actually bumping this album in Myrtle Beach with my cousin. Um, It dropped while we were in Myrtle Beach. Funny oh, that's enough. always sick when an album comes out when you're on vacation. You yeah, get to because, bump it the first time somewhere else. Well, sorry, it was released July 4th, and then my cousin and I had bought it on iTunes uh, to be able to bump it in the car while we were going to Myrtle Beach. So, so it was a road trip uh, first listen. It was. Mm. It really was. And my cousin and I were guiding, like getting into the first listens very young. And this is one album that, that was like really heavy for us. But one of the most underrated songs from Jay-Z early, uh, from Jay-Z's early 2010 era, where he was releasing not his best material, but I feel like very braggadocious and very bright and bling luxury rap, you know, of like the highest degree, the highest luxury. Like he couldn't get more luxurious than this in his conversations and within his lyricism. Like example, <laughs> listen to this first verse. 
Me and Destiny got a date. Martin had a dream. Hove got a team. My chain already heavy. Don't let me get a ring. Those are the types of bars that you're going to get from Jay-Z on this album. And I'll fuck with the world. Not only that, it only has 16 million streams. Didn't crack any of that. Like that. Mm. None of my songs on here besides Lost is cracked over 20 million streams. I really wanted yeah. to find songs that fit within that bound. Um, and if you go into the track itself... It's an old Timbo uh, production as well. It's a classic link up between him and also J-Rock that had some other, not the J-Rock that we know from TDE, um, the producer that did a lot of stuff off of Magna Carta as well. So another shout for a song that I wanted to bring in. Um, last, uh, last two I'm going to bring in. I'll go through my last yeah, two. Yeah, Why not? Go for it. Go for last it. one. All right. So Kiss of Life by Sade from 1992 off of Love Deluxe. Um, if you guys are not familiar with the song, this was the song that was sampled in Doomsday um, by mm-hmm. MF Doom on True. Operations Doomsday. Um, and you'll find the sample towards the end of the song and also Sade's hook. They mix them together um, for Operations Doomsday. Well, Doomsday on Operations Doomsday. Not only that, but it's one of the most stunning um, hooks I've ever heard. And it's one of the least streamed songs on the album. Like, you have other songs on here that have 100 mil plus because it is a very very popular R&B record. Very iconic for the time. Historical at that, too, for the genre. But yes, it is one of the least streamed. And then the last song I had in today, just so I could run through all my material, is Mama, I'm So Sorry. Off nice. of Hell Hath No Fury by The Clips. Very interesting song because... It's not one of the more streamed uh, songs on no, the album. sir. Wow. One of the less streamed songs. Only 2.5 million streams. What an L. That is one of the most underrated songs of the 2000s decade, in my opinion, produced by the Neptunes. And what's interesting is that if you go into the writing of the song, there's obviously Pusha T and uh, No Malice. And they're kind of going back and forth with each other because No Malice is talking about rejuvenating his spirit, um, trying to provide a good example for the youth, getting out of the streets, moving on from drug dealing and being a gangster. And then you get Pusha T's verse, which is kind of embodying all of that. So it's cool how they use their group dynamic to be able to highlight both extremities of gang culture and living within that sort of lifestyle. So I feel like it's a genius song concept. The production is absolutely beautiful. You get this accordion style production from the Neptunes with obviously their classy Pharrell bounce and... It just makes for a perfect song, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a fucking classic. Um, before we wrap up the episode, I do want to ask you and play a little game with you about, like, what are the most underrated songs off of albums that came out in 2023? All right, let's, let's do it. Let's get recent with this, okay? So, let's start off with Utopia. Utopia. Most, most under- underrated song on Utopia, in your opinion, as of right now. It's hard, because everyone's rating the entire album. Um, I know, and, and we've done it too, but, like, what do you, what, which song do you think is not getting enough conversation? Because, obviously, My Eyes is getting a lot of hype. You have um, Modern Jam's getting a lot of praise as well right is now. It? Meltdown, yeah, of course. I don't know. A lot of people were sort of shitting on me for for sort of having the opinion of it being the best. Um, I, I think it's just it's kind of an advanced track. Probably, but, probably till further note. Well, I would it, say Hyena. Hyena is probably the song that's like the least recognized. Either way, it's actually the song with some of the least page views on Genius at the moment. Let so me what's see, the streams on? That? Let me see based on the streams what I would what I would go with here. I would say the Resto 27. That kind of makes sense. Um, it's crazy how like the big attempts didn't land on this album. Lost Forever is one of the least streamed. We'll fucking ride with that, I guess. Even I guess though, you like, could the, say that. The Travis community, like the hardcore Travis fans do love it. That's why it can't necessarily be it's tough. Um, underrated. I, what about Pink Tape? Let's go to Pink Tape and see um, what are some of the least streamed on there. 
Um, we have Amp. That's very that not, not not a lot of people stream. Excuse me. You have Mama. I'm sorry that a lot of people like, but not really stream. How about that well. I gotta? Fourteen million. Yeah, one of the higher streamed songs. I gotta is one of the more higher streamed songs. Yeah, there I, we go. I was gonna say Pluto to Mars, but that one also has quite a few. How about Zoom? Zoom has ten million. That's in the middle range, I guess. All right, I'd probably go with that then. I'd probably go with uh with with rehab. I would say. All right, continue going. What other ones do you want to go through? What else could we go through? Let's do. Uh, let's start here. Let's do that one. All right. Let's start here with. Let's start here. With Yachty. Um, I'm gonna go with based on the numbers and stuff, and also I don't see people a lot, a lot of people talking about probably. I want to say "Reach the Sunshine" the outro. That is a really that, yeah, cool that's, outro. That's a really cool outro. How about "Running Out of Time" with nope. Justine Sky? That's the third most streamed on the album. Okay, that's interesting. It has the least page views on the album. Um, how about "The Alchemist" with Fouché? Oh, that's like that's like the worst song on the album, though. I know. I'm just asking you with the streams. Uh, yeah, it's it's low. It's six million. Okay, that's pretty reasonable. Um, how about "Say Something"? "Say Something" is middle range. "Say Something's pretty solid. Yeah. That's a pretty because good Because, like, the big songs on the album are low-key, some of my favorites, like A Running Out of Time or The Black Seminole, to be uh, But this is interesting because, like, there's no dips. Like, people that, like, streamed this album streamed all of it it's for an the album. Part. It's an album experience. That's it. You can't just go into this. Well, besides The Black Seminole and Running Out of Time, for me, at least, I usually go through the full listen of it. Yeah, last one, Business is Business. Let's end off with that. Yeah, let's end off with Business is Business. What do you got in here? Uh, my most underrated cut, I want to say Mad Dog. Yes, I, I, I think that, that song that's, is crazy. Yeah, Thugger annihilated that. It gives you the old crazy. Thugger vibes. Um, and yeah, no one talking about it. How about Jonesboro? Jonesboro, yeah. I, I think that one's quality too. One, one of the best off the album, but... People talk about it, Yeah, maybe? people talk about it. Um, how about Went Through It? Wait, is this right? Okay, yeah. Mad Dog is the third least streamed on here. What's wow. the most? Most streamed? It's probably it's probably going to be Oh You Went with Drake, right? It is Oh You Went course it is yeah yeah okay so i would probably do oh even cars bring me out with future that's a big one is that one of the most streamed off the album of course it is yeah okay because that's so a top is... that's a top tier future and young <sighs> thug collaboration fucking slapper bro that is a slapper but yeah guys that's the episode i hope you guys enjoyed our picks for the most underrated songs from popular albums. And let us know, guys. Should we do a YouTube series out of this? Should we run through different albums and pick our most underrated song from each of them? Um, your guys' reception and what you guys want to see definitely helps inspire us and the content that we make. So absolutely, much love to everyone that's supporting and giving us feedback. As we mentioned earlier, if you guys do want to see your boys climb those charts um, for the Spotify and Apple rankings, please do leave us a review Give us those five stars. It would mean the world to us. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next Tuesday. Peace.